Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello, and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson. And oh my God, I'm so stoked because I'm talking to Beth Cavanaugh. Beth, she's a nurse and an author, and she knows all too well what nurses are up against, not only during this overwhelming era, but always. With over 25 years in internal medicine, short stay surgery, and hospice care, she understands firsthand that compassion in healthcare can sometimes be elusive. Her new book, The Power and Pain of Nursing, aims to arm both new and seasoned nurses with tools necessary to care for themselves in the face of one of the most demanding professions in the world. Isn't that the truth? Um, Amen. (laughs) Well, I brought Beth on the show to talk about her book, but also to talk about her sort of her nursing trajectory, sort of what brought this book to life. Um, Any, and, and, and hopefully we can talk about some real practical skills about what, maybe what some of us can do at the bedside when we're really struggling. Yeah. But um, as you know, who who knows what else will come up. But um, before we get into anything else, how are you, Beth? How are you really? <laughs> um, thanks for asking and having it be like a real how are you? That's always fun. Um, I think I'm feeling all the feels today. I have, um, uh, you know family stuff. I have a husband and three kids and my kids are older. Um, 17 is the youngest. So we have a lot of family shit going on. And, uh-huh. um, and I mean, as far as like my job, I feel like my nursing job is actually one of the more <laughs> stable, loving things in my life. So that feels good. And, um, I'm excited because I'm going to Yale today and I'm going to give it I know. Isn't that so fun? That is so cool. I know. I'm going to give a, a, a little 12 minute keynote on writing and nursing. And um, so I'm excited about that. That feels kind of cool because I've never, you know, been flown anywhere to go talk. So it's amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm sad. I'm overwhelmed. I'm sometimes underwhelmed. You know, it's just like, <laughs> all the feels, all the feels, all the feels. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just like, isn't it crazy how we can have all this, just like this current of all this stuff just happening inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I respect that your journey and everything you just mentioned. Um, I can't even imagine being, you know, a wife, a mother, 
you know, full-time professional and an author and you're traveling and you got, I mean, like, you know, like nervous energy and all this, whatever. I don't know if you were nervous or not, but I would be nervous if I was like flying. Totally. Totally. Yes. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. I'm just so stoked to have you on the show. Um, I ask, how are you really? Yeah. Um, I, I'm good today. Um, I just flew home from a travel conference and, um, because I'm trying to grow this business, we just talked a little bit offline, um, trying to grow my business unwound retreats. Um, that was fun, except I felt like I was just dodging COVID the whole time because that (laughs) conference, like nobody, it was anyway, I, I was, I was kind of a loner on purpose, which was fine. So I was basically in Memphis, Tennessee by myself, you know, learning, which was fun. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but I'm ha- I was happy to come home and see my husband and my dog. And anyway, um, yeah. yeah. Settle back into your settle life back and, in. Yeah. And, and feel a little safer. Yeah. I feel a little safer. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I'm, um, yeah. And technically this is what day is it? It's May 4th. Mm-hmm. I've just put my podcast on a break for a month. So this will come out in June. So, um, <laughs> that I just have a lot happening in May. And so just, I was like, maybe I should just go on a break for a little bit. So. Yes. Oh, then yes, you should. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Um, yeah. So things are good. Um, today right now. Yeah. Good. Great. Um, Beth, do you mind just sharing with us like in the audience, um, your sort of nursing trajectory and, where, how you found yourself here? (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. No, no, no. It's fine. I, I never knew I wanted to be a nurse until I was 24, 23. I was fresh out of college and, um, I did this year. Um, it's a called Jesuit volunteer Corps. I was actually in, uh, Renton, (laughs) Washington, and I worked in nursing homes there And uh, I was part of a mental health team and I loved going to the nursing homes and, and I just kept looking at the nurses and I thought, oh, I could probably do this. And then, you know, started on that path of going to nursing school. And I, I completed my nursing school when I was 25 and um, I've done a wide variety of things. Um, I worked at an AIDS hospice. I worked at a nursing home for three weeks. <laughs> I, yeah. I worked. Uh, God in, bless those people that do that. I know. I, know. Um, I work in short state surgery, like you said, and and I've been in hospice care for the last fifteen years, and that that's where I really feel like my heart and my soul is, and and like my activism heart. At age fifty two, I feel like uh, the the next part of my life will include my twenty five years of nursing wisdom, and hopefully moving forward, how to be an activist for better deaths, you know, better end of life care, better healthcare systems, better environment for nurses. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like, um, it's actually really fun to be in this moment for me because I, I am looking at, Oh, what is the next 20 years going to look like for me in terms of my professional goals. And, um, and my nursing career has been such a really important 
piece, obviously, to who I am and and what I've been. And um, it's just, it's fun to think about what's next. I, I work um, I work in an inpatient unit, a hospice inpatient unit, and I do that two and three days a week. And then I, I also volunteer um, my time at this beautiful hospice home, which was the first real hospice home that I worked at. And I fell in love with it and it closed and it's reopening and I'm working on um, building the culture there. So we're mm training staff and volunteers on the culture of the place. And it's going to be all rooted in love and compassion. And so, you know, I mean, for all of us who work in healthcare systems, it feels like it's really easy to have a healthcare system be void of those two really important components, understandably. But um, so I just feel really lucky that I can be part of this little team and, um, and, and that feels like a good place to put my energy and kind of my, my anger <laughs> at how the healthcare system is not and what it should be and actually help to create this sweet little hospice home in a way that I feel like will be what every healthcare system should offer to people. Mm. So, yeah. And then I'm writing, you know, doing my end of life blogging and I'm not on a tour or anything like that. This Yale thing just kind of, it it was, I think it's very random. It might be my very first and last speaking engagement, but I'm relishing in it. Ooh, it maybe it's a jumping off point. It's yeah, like, I, yeah. Um, I, ooh, I um, was thinking about how, you, you know, this place that you're opening is going to, it's rooted in like love and compassion and what, what we struggle sometimes with so much <clears throat> is we don't have the time to do that. And th- that sort of goes back to this, like, Oh man, how it, why you, why you might have anger, why someone might have anger. I mean, sometimes I have anger over that, you know, like the inability to perform our job in the way that we want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how did you decide to create this book and um, like, when did you kind of realize like we need more tools out there? Cause it, we, we do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And you know, I think it's really important. So my, my book is a little 30 day guide on self-care practices to build compassion into your life and your practice. And um, I wrote this because I actually quit my job three weeks after the pandemic start started. Um, I, yeah, I think it was May, March 13th, I quit my job or March 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been working there for three weeks. I had just started in March and, um, and I quit because they gave me one little mask and a plastic bag and said, you know, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Go, go to these nursing homes and, you know, Oh my God. and no thanks for being here. You know what I mean? Oh God, so, yeah. um, so I quit my job because I was fortunate enough to be able to, and also I was, I, I kind of lost my little marbles, you know, all my kids came home from college and well, anyway. Um, so I was working with Dominic Vashon and MJ Murray Vashon on this program. We wanted to put into healthcare systems that offer um, basically tips and tricks on how to be more compassionate and mindful in your practice, you know, during the pandemic, as it was going on, Dr. Dominic Fashan wrote um, how doctors care. It's basically a textbook about the neuroscience and science behind compassion. 
And MJ Marie Bashan is a counselor and she's been a counselor for 35 years. So we worked on this program for a while. It never went anywhere, but um, I just got really, it felt like an aha moment to me. I, I thought, oh my God, this is what I've been working on for the last 25 years is knowing that I want to be a more loving, compassionate, present nurse, but really struggling with all this systemic crap that makes mm-hmm. it really difficult to. So always trying to find ways and tools and retreats and, you know, anything um, to help me feel more grounded and composed so that I could show up at my work with presence and also go back home and feel like I can feed myself and feed other people. And when I say feed, I mean, (laughs) metaphorically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, um, so I wrote this book because I just, I really felt like, Hey, let, we got to start somewhere. It's definitely not going to break. It's not going to fix the system doing self-care practices, right? but it can hopefully give nurses just a few more tools and awareness that this is a fucked up hard profession. It's so hard emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And Uh we cannot show up every day and do this job every day mm-hmm. unless we have built in some pretty solid practices so mm-hmm. that we can show up in all areas of our life and not be wrecked. Yeah. 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 I, I really appreciate that you said that, <clears throat> you know, practicing self-care doesn't necessarily fix the system. I I, I 100% agree with that. Um, um, but like, you know, it can, it can totally help, help us, um, either, you know, find more joy in our work or have some, learn how to like disconnect from the, the troubling day you had. I was reading your practice on rumination. (laughs) Um, cause you know, oftentimes we, we like, we'll have tough shifts and then we'll, set and ruminate. Um, I don't know. Do you, can you speak to that for a minute? I know I didn't ask you to talk about this, but, um, I was, um, but like, yeah, yeah. it's hard. I mean, the rumination piece, uh, you know, every nurse goes through at least, I don't know how many moments, but (laughs) many, many moments of questioning, second guessing, um, wondering if, if they could have done something different, mm-hmm. um, if they could have said something in a different way. I mean, we are, we are walking along these healthcare journeys with patients and their families, and we are doing our absolute best. And, um, and a lot of times, even what we say may not be met because the family is in crisis. So, um, the rumination piece is, is real. I think we all kind of ruminate over the, what ifs, what could I have, should I have done? Um, is that kind of what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Cause that's what I think of Yeah. And, you know, or waking like- up at 3am and, mm-hmm. and there there's that, you know, patient in your brain again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it's not even errors. It's, it, it, it's like thinking about our patients in these terrible life circumstances or seeing a horrifying 
wound or event that took place. Um, so the rumination is, um, it just kind of keeps cycling and cycling and cycling and it's hard to get out of it. So um, I do offer some tools um, for the rumination piece, which um, I don't want to actually go into it right now, mostly because I haven't read my book in a while and I kind of forget, I forget the stuff. No. I, I do have it right I, here. I like it. I liked it though, but you, you spent, you have people like spend some time you journaling about it and then like, maybe sort of like reframing how you think about it for a while and, and oh, like so over, you know, anyway, I thought it was a really practical, like, um, piece of ad- advice and, um, a tool, like your book is full of all these wonderful tools, um, just yeah. to help us sort of manage some of this stuff that like is so, I, I mentioned this a lot on the show is so unseen. It's so hidden right. and not talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think that recognizing that it's a thing and that it's, it's a scary thing. I mean, rumination is kind of a, it, it's difficult to get out of a cycle. Um, so I offer one tool, but there are also other um, things that can be done, you know, like counseling or um, EMDR, um, uh, somato emotional release therapy. There's, I, I think we see, and experience a lot of difficult things as nurses. And um, we have to understand when things have tipped the scales for us Mm -hmm. and when our nervous system gets off kilter Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, check into that. And we might actually need somebody like a a real counselor to kind of help walk us through how to get out of, you know, this rumination cycle. Mm -hmm. This is sort of on topic, off topic, but you know, when you, obviously we've been going through this, this pandemic for a while now. And um, <laughs> what, what do you think, how do you think this has impacted us? Like we were sort of broken before, right? Yeah. Yes. How, I don't know. How do you feel like this has impacted us? And um, what do you think we're struggling with the most? Um, I think that, uh, Yes, you're right. I think I think it was kind of a broken system before. I think the pandemic highlighted our systemic inadequacies. Um, I think we have probably a lot of, um, they were already probably burned out nurses and doctors mm-hmm. and CNAs and respiratory therapists. I mean, anybody who works in healthcare, right? I mean, I think it was, mm-hmm. it's kind of a burnout field anyway. <laughs> right. Sorry, I mean, I it, laugh, it is, it is. I, um, there is this national Academy of medicine and they've laid out a lot of the reasons why the job demands alone can lead to burnout and they are inadequate staffing, <laughs> you know, always, um, uh, technology, moral distress, excessive workload, um, time management issues, um, administrative things, you know, nurses are always doing so many of the administrative pieces. Um, so, so the job demands are significant. And, and I think a lot of people were already kind of burned out just because of the system. So with the pandemic, I feel like I, I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, the nurses that I work with are so, 
they're they're pretty amazing, pretty badass. And and there there's some kind of core piece to nurses, I think, that is just it, it really is pretty incredibly badass. And and so, you know, because they are kind of warriors and nobody wants to be using war jargon in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but I do think there's some there's this piece to a lot of nurses that are warrior like and and they can withstand a lot of difficulty that comes their way. Uh, with that being said, I feel like my guess is across the board, there's probably nurses who were burned out and now are super fried and don't know what to do and don't know where to go. Um, and for me, it's highlighted the fact that there's an expiration date on bedside nursing for everybody yeah, and, and that we really need to have healthcare systems that offer other opportunities for nurses as we get into our fifties, like me, where they have leadership programs built into the system so that we can actually have nurses who have been trained as leaders, um, and, and maybe have more health care uh, benefits within the system, like yoga facilities and, you know, gyms and meditation rooms and retreats offered. And how about a sabbatical? <laughs> so for me, I just, I feel like it's given me more ideas on how to improve the system and what we really need to do our jobs effectively. Um I think the pandemic just, you know, we now have a lot of nurses that aren't, haven't been properly trained because staffing was so inadequate across mm-hmm. the board. And that's a little scary. I've talked to nurses who feel like they have been inadequately trained. And now mm-hmm. after a year of nursing, now they're training other people. And so that doesn't feel very safe to me. Mm-hmm. Um and, and losing a lot of our really wise nurses who've been doing this a really long time. And they're the ones who know, oh, this is what you do when the blood pressure tanks. And, you know, they, they've just got it down where it is, it's in their bones. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the mentors, I've, I'm afraid we're, I'm afraid that we might lose some of the mentors that we really need. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I could kind of go on and on. The pandemic has not been good for the healthcare system or nurses. I also think that a lot of nurses have felt, um, at least, you know, people that I've talked to, we've, we've talked about how, why can't healthcare systems just be honest, (laughs) be honest with us. Hey, I'm so sorry. We weren't prepared. We don't have adequate PPE. Um, and for your retention, we want to give you this. Thank you so much because you actually are risking your lives staying here. Um, I, I, yeah. So I guess the pandemic continues to bring up things for how I wish the healthcare system was better and how it could improve. Mm-hmm. I'll just stop talking. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know what the answers are. Um, but I do feel like there are a lot of ways that it could be improved. Unfortunately, I feel like money, money helps, you know, um, it does, it does. It it helps, you know, like it can really, really help. So, you know, I think hospitals are starting, starting to understand that, um, where you might be in a place where we've talked about this on my show before, but, um, 
or nurses own the workplace, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're starting to get into a more powerful position, I think. So mm-hmm. I hope so. I mean, I do think they should have a lot more leadership programs built in for nurses because nurses don't want to, I mean, bedside care is amazing. I love doing it because I feel so connected to the patients Mm -hmm. and I do a lot of work physically just so I can stay safe in my job. But you know, it takes one bad hoist up in the bed and your back is toast. So um, I I just think there, there should be more options for nurses that also go with the, the higher pay, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, I know we sort of, um, you know, I, I brought in, brought up sort of the pandemic and like, I don't know, put us on a down note, but, um, but I mean, that's okay. But, um, I'm curious, like if we we're like, let's say I'm struggling and, but I want to stay in my job. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I just need a little bit of help getting maybe reconnected to purpose or like finding my joy, you know, like, Mm -hmm. is there, do you have any thoughts on like how someone can? Yeah. I'm sure you have some thoughts too, which I, um, I feel like, you know, the thing, the kind of thing that you offer, which is a rejuvenating retreat for nurses Um, I, I'm, some people say escapism, escapism is not an effective way to heal your burnout, but I'm a big fan of escapism. I think, I think run, you know, I, I think take it, take a week off, take a month off, take a, take your own sabbatical. I also wish healthcare systems paid for sabbaticals, take a sabbatical, maybe take some six months off of nursing entirely and reset. And, you know, there will be a job for you somewhere. Um, but to kind of process what, um, what you want to do and where you want to be, I think that, um, there are healthcare systems that have really lovely leadership. And I think finding something that, really has that and talking to the nurses to make sure that you're walking into a situation where your manager does support you and, you know, honor what you say and is open to um, making things better there. Um, So reconnecting with our joy and our purpose. So yeah, time off is good. Um, I mean, I think every day I try to do little practices at work Um, because I feel, I feel tired a lot of the time and, and when I can just close the door and sit with one of my patients and be right with them, even for, you know, five minutes. And I'll I'll say even a minute is actually a really good practice to begin because mostly because it's so hard for nurses to sit down, (laughs) but I love, I love being in a chair and sitting next to my patients because then you're so much more connected. You know, you're just, you're right there with them and, and it's called compassion satisfaction. And when you lean into these impactful moments that you have with your patients, it actually can recharge you. I mean, this is what the science of compassion shows. And, um, And it can also, you know, help buffer you from burning out. And I know a five minute practice won't do it, but I think if we can walk walk into our shifts 
with some intention, how we want to be. And it, it of course won't go that way most of the time, Mm -hmm. but if we can kind of keep, oh yeah, I wanted to be present with my patients or whatever it is. I wanted to be joyful with my coworkers or, you know, just come up with your own intention on how you want to show up as a nurse. And then, um, also leaving with intention, uh, you know, it's so hard to leave a shift. So glad Um, you're talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard to leave work after, I mean, nursing is jarring there. We see a heck of a lot (laughs) that, people would never see in a lifetime. And, um, and we experience, you know, emotions of patients and, and terror and crisis of families and actual physical wounds or self-harm or, or motor vehicle accidents. I mean, we see horrifying things and it's so weird, isn't it? To just like hop into your car and go back home and start making chicken for your family. (laughs) It's just so, it's such a bizarre thing to me. So I think really having some intentional practices, exiting your work, and it could be there, the facility, or it could be home. I mean, what I do when I come home is my, my, my best transition practices are when I can come home, shower. I got a jacuzzi in my backyard this year, Um, jump in the jacuzzi, shower again, lay down for 25 minutes. And I'm also in this space where I don't have little kids that need me, you know, all the time. My youngest is 17. So, um, but really taking some good time so you can be more centered in the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, finding right. purpose and joy is hard. I mean, it is a practice to find purpose and joy. You have to keep refinding it, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe some of that too is like, <clears throat> Well, that might be also moving on. Yeah. yeah. You know, like maybe you said there was an expiration date. So, yeah, I do really like the um, practical advice around transitioning out of work. Um, and in some of that, you already mentioned it b- before, but this <clears throat> idea that, you know, we, have, we should have some awareness, right? Like have a little bit of awareness of maybe... God, did you even have an okay day? Was my day shit? You know, like, like mm-hmm. how, how do I feel about this day? And, and then, you know, figure out whatever it is for you, how to transition out of that mm-hmm. day and into home. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it is such a weird place. It is such a weird place. It is. So what do you do on your retreats to like help people find, refine, or, you know, realize their purpose and joy? Oh, well, you know, I mean, we do, we do some journaling. Um, Mm -hmm. we do a lot of, um, introspection. Mm -hmm. Um, I purposely, well, I feel like travel helps you really get out of your head, um, and has a transformative experience. Mm -hmm. So that's intentional. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> the curriculum that <clears throat> I, we have for on our retreats, it's like, you know, there's a lot of like, um, meditation and yoga and journaling and, and, um, some lecture content on like self-care practices. But, um, I, I think it's, you know, maybe I should, <laughs> I, I, I don't actually have people delve into like 
finding their joy. Um, maybe I should, uh, but I, I do have people do like an inquiry into like where, where, where do they want to be? Maybe there's something that they want to be working on, Mm -hmm. um, for the future. Maybe they, Mm -hmm. they want some accountability and like setting up a self-care practice for themselves. Like, you know, sometimes these, these people are women and mothers and, and they feel like they don't have time to do something like, sit for five or 10 minutes and meditate. So maybe it's just carving out a space to develop a habit for that. So do some talk and work on, on what, you know, where do they want to be? And that sounds so lovely and so comprehensive, you know, I mean, you're, you're hitting everything. You're hitting mind, body, spirit. Oh, you did it. You're doing it. That's Yay. so amazing. No, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, maybe you should come. Morocco. No, actually, I, I wrote it down. I, I want to go. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be amazing. Um, and actually, I was just, this is totally a tangent, but I was talking with my friend, Courtney, who co-leads the Morocco m- retreat, but I was like, maybe we got to go to Egypt. <laughs> so anyway. Awesome. Um, that's so great. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a journey. I feel like, um, I mean, personally, um, I, I, I needed to step away from the, I was totally burnt out in my assistant nurse manager job and then went to 60% at the bedside. Mm-hmm. I increased my FTE during the pandemic, but, and then I eventually went back down. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I started the, this business and, um, I'm doing other work. So for somebody you, else. Do you work at all at the bedside? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you do still. And is it mm-hmm. 60%? No, it's six shifts a month. Perfect. Per diem. Mm-hmm. And I just went per diem um, in February. So yeah. do we not? And then, yeah, are you per diem? No. I'm a FTE 0.5. <laughs> okay. So is that seven shifts a month? It's five, um, five shifts in a pay period. So 10-ish. Oh, are you eight hours? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's nice. That eight mm-hmm. hours. Um, it's really nice. You get in. Wow. I feel like eight hours is never enough time, but then you're gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's That's great. great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, I just want to ask you um, a, a, more about your book and your sort of vision for it. Um, if you had like how, how, should we as nurses maybe approach your book? So your, your book has, it's like, a, you know, there's 30 days in there to with different self-care practices. Like ideally, what would you envision this looking like for us? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, um, it's just, it's a really easy little, it's an easy read. It's not that big and it's just supposed to be kind of a sweet little, reflective practice where another nurse is basically talking to you, me, and, and I see you and I get you. And I've written down some of the shit that we go through. And so I think kind of just steeping in the fact that our job is hard is important. And also to realize that when we can show up with care and compassion, it actually, you know, benefits the patient, of course, and their outcomes are better, but it also helps us. So in terms of 
how to approach the book. I think whatever way you want to is it's really like an easy read. You can pick it up and do one day, or you can just kind of breeze through it and, and see if you feel inspired. I mean, I mostly wanted nurses to feel a little bit of inspiration because I think it's so hard to find inspiration these days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just anything that will, uh, motivate, inspired to do something that feels good for yourself. Um, you know, self-compassion, self-nurturing, it could be a meditation practice to improve your composure and your stillness. It could be a embodiment practice like yoga to help you, you know, work through and process a lot of the emotional shit we deal with and, and hopefully have it kind of move through your body. Um, it could just be recognizing that, yeah, we have secondhand trauma and maybe I need to do something bigger about, about these things that are residing in my cells now. <laughs> so, so I, I think it's just, I, I just wanted to have some inspirational moments for nurses so that they can realize they do have to do some of their own work to show up in this profession in a grounded way. I, I, I feel like this book should be in every nurses on every unit, like in every break room, you know? Um, like, yeah. I mean, it's it, easy, like a, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like a practical pick it up read you know find either maybe something you're struggling with that day mm-hmm. or be like oh maybe let me just see what sort of thing I could try today mm-hmm. um it and and you it also has like really great um you know you talk about the science you talk about mm-hmm. your your reference sort of where some of this stuff comes from mm-hmm. um, so um it's it feels very um practical and like evidence-based and, Mm -hmm, um, and, and we love that in nursing. We love that. I know there's also some, uh, I, I went, I did a little stretch in this book and I, I talk about some energetic practices too. I, um, I do Reiki and as a hospice nurse, I'm, I love kind of thinking about the, the next layer of what actually exists, you know, outside of our physical beings and, and, I, I know, I know. And I've seen a lot of people transition. I've, I've been with many, many people who have died hundreds, I don't know, maybe thousands. Um, and, and as they're transitioning, it doesn't happen for everybody, but there is often this connection with the other side and, and, and talking to their loved ones who've died before them. And um, there's just kind of this energetic mystical (laughs) event happening when somebody dies. And I love being part of it because it really, I feel very connected to the spiritual part of our profession. And so I did tap in some of, there are a couple things in my book where I talk about doing some energetic practices, which is tapping into maybe the energy of the earth and drawing that into your body and feeling nourished by it. I'm keeping it really simple. And, uh, and I feel like it was a little bit of a stretch because it's, you know, nurses were a really highly academic profession and, and all the professions, you know, all the certifications out there. I mean, they want it to be very academic and, and I appreciate that of course, but at the same time, 
there's so many layers in nursing. And we're, I mean, when you work with birth, when you work with death, when you work with, I mean, the ICU, I bet you saw, you've seen, you've seen it all, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I threw some energetic practices in there too. (laughs) I love that. Um, just for those of people out there who don't know what Reiki is, do you mind just sharing what that is? Yeah. Um, Reiki is a healing practice where you can either do hands-on or hands-off. And it's basically, I mean, for me, I think everybody kind of touches into it a little bit differently, but for me, I kind of feel like I, I can connect with the divine and the divine through me. Um, connects to whoever I'm doing Reiki to. And um, it's just like healing, loving touch, basically, you know, to simplify it, it would be like placing your arm, your hands on somebody's back in a healing, loving way with those intentions infused in your touch. And, uh, and, you know, I've had so many crazy, uh, I was talking to my friend the other day who he he's into, um, psychedelics and, um, he, he does it because he has a lot of mystical, you know, experiences and interactions and, um, conversations with, you know, the divine creator. And, and I feel like I'm getting goosebumps. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And with Reiki, I swear I have so many crazy experiences myself as I'm giving it. And then also when I'm, you know, the person that I'm giving it to, they'll have like visions or images, or I'll feel presence come into the room, or I'll feel, you know, I'll feel shifts in their energetic patterns and they get off the table and, you know, they, they've had some realization. I, when I've had Reiki done to me, I've had this, this one experience where I had this vision of my future self and it was me at the age of 75. And I was, I was hunched over and I was in my fucking kitchen (laughs) cooking dinner (laughs) and I was so (laughs) angry and resentful. And, and, and this was my 75 year old self and she was angry and resentful in the kitchen. And I thought, Oh my God, like I have to do something about this because I, I feel kind of bitter a lot of times when I'm, planning my dinner for my family again and again and again and again. And I don't really like cooking that much. And I don't, you know, this isn't really how I want to spend my time at least right now. And, and so I had to, so I had this realization that that could be my future self. So I had to do some practices and shift things around with my dynamic in the house with the kids and my husband. Mm -hmm. So they could chip in a little bit more. So I'm not so resentful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then also just do my own grounding before I go into the kitchen. So I don't serve toxic chicken. You know? <laughs> I need it to be infused with love also. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. So cool. Um, we, 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 we have Reiki as a offering, um, at our hospital. Um, oh my God, you do. Yeah. Where are you? I might, um, I don't normally say it on air, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you offline. Um, but I'm at a major academic medical center in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, we have a couple people. It's not, it's sort of like there are Reiki practitioners who are also healthcare providers. So you, mm-hmm. we can like message them, um, mm-hmm. and say, Hey, someone's, I was looking for some Reiki. 
But mm-hmm. a lot of times the the patients have to ask for it or their families have to ask for it. Um, mm-hmm. Or we have to just randomly remember, oh, yeah, we have Reiki if somebody right. wants it. But, right. um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, we are energetic beings. And, I mean, <laughs> floating on a rock through space. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I love that. I know. It's it's like it's mind-numbing, isn't it? I mean, I just like somebody showed a picture of I don't know, an astral, some you know, picture of like all these nearby galaxies, you know. Uh and I was like, "Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> we are it's so crazy like um how could we I don't know, how could we not be energetic beings, you know?" Right. Right. Like, There's so much more. Someone told me recently, or maybe I read it, but it was like, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know. My, yeah. Like, whoa. Rather than <laughs> having a spiritual experience as a human being. I don't right. know. Right. It does make whoa. you shift. I mean, I think it's important to think about that stuff. Um, I think it shifts your perspective and, I mean, for, for me, my world gets very, very, very small and myopic and I can only see, you know, what's four feet in front of me. And so to take a breath, I mean, that's a great practice, actually taking a breath, recognizing that you are this little being floating around on a rock in space helps you to realize, oh, I, I am significant, but insignificant. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, yeah, it's so weird because it's like we are a part of something so massively, so crazy, so beautiful. And yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. I, yeah, mm-hmm. my brain, I'm tripping out now. <laughs> <laughs> tripping. Good. Oh That's my good. God. Um, gosh. Oh, where can we find your book? Oh, where it, can we it, follow you on social media? Yeah, it's, um, I have a website, bethcavanaugh.com and it had, you can, I think it leads you to my books, both my, I have two books. I have one is a hospice book. It's about how to take care of a hospice patient and, uh, and the other one, power and pain of nursing. Um, they're both listed on my website, but there, you can find them on Amazon as well. And I'm not really on, uh, social media all that much. I'll do a couple LinkedIn things. I blog. And so twice a week, I might send something out there mostly about end of life care. I mean, that's generally what I write about is how to help people who are dying. And, um, uh, and yeah, I think that's really it. (laughs) What a beautiful practice. So like if let's say there are a lot of people who, um, I know there are some hospice nurses who listen to the show there. I mean, in ICU nursing, yeah, we watch people, Passover frequently. Um, and, um, so they, we could like sign up for your blog if we go to bethcavana.com. Yeah. uh, I send out a newsletter once a month that has, it's mostly like end of life. I I talk a lot about end of life, uh, in my newsletter. So you could sign up there. My blog is just right there for everybody to check out and it has all sorts of things like, you know, what to do with shortness of breath and a hospice patient. Um, managing your anxiety and the patient's anxiety. It's um, end of life signs, end of life signs, you know, what to look for when somebody's dying, which everybody wants to know. I mean, that's my most read blog because every, you know, most nurses are like, I don't know. I don't know when they're going to die. And this kind of takes you through the the general steps, you know? Mm. 
Oh, I have a really random question. Um, what is a practice for you? Like after you have a patient pass, do you have a ritual or anything? Um, after I have a patient die, I, I mean, it kind of depends on who, if I was with the patient or if the family was with the patient. Um, no, I don't really have, you know, I, a long time ago, I thought, oh, I should have collected rocks for every patient that I was with when, when they died. Cause that would have just been sweet to have their names on a rock or something. Um, because it does, cause I don't know, I don't know how many people I've been with. And I just think it's kind of awesome that I've been able to, I feel so lucky that I've been able to, um, so no, I don't really, I just like to make sure that the body is, is, um, honored in a sacred way. For me, that's really important is to make sure that we don't fuss around with the body too much right away. And we give them some peace. I like to crack a window in there. If it's not cracked already, I just think that helps the, the spirit. It gives, you know, the spirit, the opportunity and the option to exit if it wants to. And, um, I like to make sure the patient is bathed afterwards and that the room looks lovely and inviting for families to sit in so they can continue to honor and grieve because, you know, once you've lost somebody, um, there, I, I do believe there still is a spiritual presence, you know, kind of in the room. And I, it's just, you, you just can't say this goodbye to somebody so fast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Beth, that's just so beautiful. Um, Thanks. I feel lucky, honestly. I mean, it's probably why you keep doing ICU nursing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the step. That's like the juice, right? It's mm -hmm. being with people in these really intimate moments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. I, and, you know, there's a lot of connection with my colleagues and then, you know, the work that we can do collaboratively feels so amazing and, Yes, it is sometimes really heavy and also very meaningful because, you know, we meet people in these random places in life. And so we just have to walk in honoring that, honoring wherever it is that we meet them. And mm -hmm. it can just be like, you know, anyway, it, it runs the gamut, as you know, of all experiences and feelings and emotions and mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i know it's intense it's a crazy world we walk in i'll tell you what <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> um do you have any last last closing thoughts for the show mm. well i think to um realize that as nurses it's easy to feel frustrated and i think it's important to recognize that the job alone is really hard and that could lead you to burnout, even if you do all these self-care practices. So it's not about you. Um, you're not broken. This is Ashley Hurst from the UVA. She said, she has this beautiful quote, you are not broken. You are not what needs to be fixed. Um, you know, it's, it's the systemic changes that need to happen. And, and I think to, for me, one of the things I do to make me feel better about the work I do and the system I work in is 
try to change it, you know, in little incremental slow ways. And one of that, one of that pieces is me volunteering at this really beautiful hospice home. But the other is, you know, just being on little committees at work and trying to build community and do things so that we feel more competent as nurses and that we give better care for our patients. Um, and, you know, I think that that all ripples out. Yeah. Wise, wise practices. I, I feel so. Mm -hmm. I don't. Well, well said, Beth. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, I am just beyond thrilled that I got to sit and, and talk to you for an, an hour. And um, I know that the listeners out there will have enjoyed this episode as well. Thank you just for honoring. Sometimes, you know, it's just so nice to hear <clears throat> Like it's very validating for to hear, like you know, that it is that we're not broken. The system's broken. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because yeah, and and also acknowledging that the work that we do is hard. Like I yeah. just, it's nice to hear. It's validating to hear. It's validating, I'm sure, for many people out there. So um, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing the work you do. Honestly, I, I'm excited to check out your retreats. <laughs> I'm going to go on one for oh sure. My God. Yes. Yeah. I, I hope to meet you in the flesh. I'm yeah, like such a cool person and they're an inspiration and I, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, I'm going to just close this one out and say, stay safe and stay sane and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you. Oh Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.